me just tell you a little bit about me so you know why I'm here and why would I do what I do. I live just north of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I have eight children and six grandchildren. And in 1995, I was a patient in a mental hospital. So welcome to the afternoon so that's my story. And to those who would say I'm too flip about mental illness, again, I would say it's my story. That's how I share it. And it's the story that brought me to you. So welcome friends to Consider Yourself Hugged episode two. Today's hug is I call myself kind. So today we're going to talk about your very identity and the three parts of you you've probably never thought about. Mental and emotional well-being is never going to occur if you don't analyze and make some decisions about who you are. So here we go. I'm going to assume that most of us have been to a meeting um, where you wore a name tag. Okay, maybe even a simple name tag, like those stick on ones. Maybe you wore at a business luncheon or maybe a bridal shower, you know, and it says, my name is. And I'll bet that many of you have also been to meetings where they give you that stretchy string thing or they have a nice lanyard and it has like that plastic holder with this piece of paper slipped in it and has your name. Maybe you went to a conference or you um, exhibited some kind of product at a trade show or something like that. Those are the kind I want to talk about. So at larger conferences, like some of the state conferences where I speak, when you register, they give you that kind of name tag. And sometimes there are ribbons attached to the name tag. And for me, it might say presenter, or maybe for some other people, it may say, say attendee or conference chair, you know, those kinds of things. Then, okay, so I'm noticing this, people are walking around with them on. And then I started, started noticing that some people had like multiple ri ribbons kind of stacked on each other. And I've seen ribbons that say, um, believe or cool or happy. And I thought those were really cool. And then I started noticing some other ribbons that I was a little concerned about. I saw perfectionist, OCD, workaholic, stressed. Okay, and by the way, I have pictures of some of these in the show notes on my blog if you want to go see what they look like. Now, by now, you know about the mental hospital stay. If you've been with me, episode one, plus my opening, you know I had this day. And when somebody is admitted to any hospital, there's some sort of an assessment, right? So I wanted you to hear, I, I have my med medical records. I got them when I wrote my first book. I wanted to go back and revisit that time period of my life. And so there's a particular page where they have all these words and they check mark things. So listen to some of the words that were used to describe me. Depressed, fearful, frightened, helpless, hopeless, worthless, guilty, low self-esteem, and impaired, okay, among others. So this is how I was identified by the person admitting me. Now I pose this question, what do you call yourself? And more deeply, I'm asking, who are you? What is your very identity? And you can find loads of definitions and books and opinions and seminars about identity. And here's the one I used in my study. Identity is who you are, the way you think about yourself, and the way you are viewed by the world. Okay, now let's dig. The first part, because there are three parts here that we're going to talk about today. The first part, I view it pretty simply. Who you are. 
Now, for simple purposes, we'll say that this is the part that really isn't dependent on what you think or what others think about you. This part of your identity is usually pretty obvious, or at least it's easy to figure out. Maybe you are a man, woman, um, sister, neighbor, teacher, director, boss, employee, mother, pet lover, Christian, Jewish, all these things. Um, think of things that if I were just meeting you, think of this type of identity is what I could figure out just by looking at you or also things that you say when you introduce yourself. So words on the ribbon that we just talked about, like director or attendee or presenter, these are all of these things are the who you are part. What I encourage you to do here as a start, and it's a wonderful start, is to create a list of these simple identifiers of you and who you are. And it's so great to do this because it lets you see the complexity of you and possibly the richness of your life. Now, I'm not saying that the who you are part exists in a vacuum completely independent of what you or others think. So let's keep going deeper. Let's go to the second component and let's use for this one, let's take the identity of a mother. That identity, nor any of the ones that you may have listed, does not exist in a vacuum because you absolutely have thoughts about the type of, for example, mother you are. So this, this part of your identity is what you think about yourself. And if you're struggling with, with mind and emotions, those thoughts may not be great. So if we're talking about mother, you may be identifying yourself as inadequate, too demanding, too lenient, easily angered, not able to cope. Now, I really hope that it's something like awesome and loving and confident, but just be honest with yourself, whatever it is. And do you see that these thoughts are actually ways that you're identifying yourself? I encourage you to also write, write out this part of your identity, whether it's in a few words or a few sentences. Okay, finally, the last part of your identity is the way that you're viewed by the world. And by the world, I mean, it could be a couple of things. The world can mean society, like the way women or men are depicted in the media, you know, like commercials and sitcoms and movies kind of depicts what the world thinks about women, mothers, men, whatever it is. So that's one way that I mean the world. The world can also mean people close to you, your friends, your family, your coworkers, etc. And I think it's pretty easy to find out the way the world thinks about us in a particular identity because you can see it on television or on the internet or whatever. But we don't always know what those around us think unless maybe you happen to hear it through the, through the grapevine or you have that brutally honest friend. For example, maybe you posted a picture of yourself on Facebook and you heard through the grapevine that a friend of yours thinks you're kind of full of yourself. Okay, so that's the way that they think about you. So this last component is really at the heart of my, my dissertation study. And it, it really is the foundation of a lot of things I speak about. So let me tie these three, these three things together by circling back to my hospital admission story. So if you listen to episode number one, you, you might remember that the direct result of the admission was a traumatic student teaching experience. After that, I did accept a teaching job, but I 
fell apart with panic and wasn't able to function anymore. That's when I went into the hospital. So I want to read you, you're going to hear me rustling, getting my medical records. I want to read you a narrative from the same counselor who checkmarked those things about me. So this is from my, my medical records, and they're talking about me. In the spring of 92, she had two bad experiences with teachers as she was doing her student teaching. Very negative experiences that she was downgraded actually in front of students. She has attempted to put this out of her mind, but she is now ruminating and obsessed over these experience, experiences. She feels panicked and scared. My life is over, in quotes. I feel like a failure, in quotes. She states she wants the teaching job very badly, but just can't get started. She is suffering major anxiety attacks with shortness of breath and heart palpitations. She feels very anxious about leaving her children, ages 3, 5, and 7. Husband is a police officer and is willing to help with the children in any way. He is very supportive. Oh, friends, so much to unpack here. Probably more than I could even talk about in a short podcast, but let's do the best that we can for today. At that time, I was a woman, a wife, a mother. I had taken a job as a teacher. That's some of who I was. So that was the first part, right? Well, how did I think about myself? You could hear it in some of those words. I thought of myself, I was a failure, scared, panicked, worried, a bad mother, an incompetent teacher. That's the second part. And the third part, how did they, and in this instance, it was the people who admitted me, at least in the beginning here, how did they identify me? All of those words I read to you in the beginning, anxious, helpless, hopeless, all of that. What do we do with all this? Why did I say at the beginning of this episode that mental and emotional well-being will never occur if you don't analyze and make some decisions about who you are? Well, I say that because of this experience. I had zero awareness of who I was and a negative zero that I had any say in who I was. The, the part, when you heard me say that part where they, they said that I wanted the teaching job very badly, well, I said that, but I did not. Okay, I did not want the teaching job very badly, but I thought that I should want the teaching job very badly. The part that said she feels very anxious about leaving her children, bingo. Here was the problem. What I really wanted deep down at that time in my life was to still be the mom, to still stay home and take care of my children. I did not want the teacher identity. And I had no grasp that buried somewhere in my mind was this thought that my my husband then wanted me to work, right? I'll do whatever I can. You should take the job that my family knew I had spent all this money on school. I should make it worthwhile. And that society would value me more if I worked, right? We know there's this whole deal about the value of a stay-at-home mom. That's like I wasn't processing it then. And it wasn't until... I actually did this study that I revisited this. So that, those un, those thoughts that I wasn't aware of led me to then identify myself as weak, a failure, incompetent. And then when you put that in with what we talked about in episode one, my genetics and my family history, boom, perfect storm, mental hospital. <sighs> 
That was probably a lot, wasn't it? And so it was actually when I wrote The Stress Club that I revisited all of this and came to these eye-opening realizations. My hope for you is that I can help you not go down that path. My prayer every week before I record is that I say something that gets you one step closer to emotional and mental well-being. Let's finish this by going back to the name tags. So those name tags, they tell people who you are, right? So it's your identity, at least for that day or that luncheon or whatever it is. Well, I found out after investigating, because I was really intrigued by these ribbons, because I had already studied this concept of identity. So after investigating the whole ribbon thing, like I was like, well, where did they come from and where did you get them? I found out that some of those extra ones, you know, the ones where people would have five or ten, they bought them. So like they would pay a dollar for each ribbon. And that really blew me away. To pay a dollar to tell other people that you're cool or happy or you believe or whatever it is, that was awesome. But OCD, okay, and on a side note, isn't it kind of interesting that OCD is a mental diagnosis that you would wear and display because I think society wants you to, allows you to be proud of that because somehow it means you're super productive. Okay, a topic for another day. Anyway, perfectionist to pay money for OCD, to pay money for a perfectionist, to pay money to tell someone you're a workaholic or stressed. They were paying to not only choose that identity, but to display it. It blew me away. So here's here's how I close this topic of identity when I speak live. Here's the question. If you wore a ribbon To let others know who you are, what would it say? Do you want that identity of stressed or workaholic? Because we have that choice. And it takes some reflection to choose. Sometimes we make ribbons in my sessions. And so I have some that I wear. um, I put on as they're making their ribbons. And mine have three on there. Kind, emotionally mature, and confident. That's why I titled this hug, I call myself kind. When I decide how I'll think about myself and I put that ribbon on and how I want the world to see me, then I am far more likely to make decisions to get there. I'm more likely to feel at peace with who I am. And ultimately, I'm more likely to be mentally and emotionally healthy. Okay, at least most of the time. And that's what I want for you. I hope you've learned something today about your identity, who you are, how you think about yourself, and how the world sees you. And I hope you'll take some time to write out and think about those three parts of who you are, and it will help you get closer to that mental and emotional well-being that you so deeply strive for. And that's our time for today. You can find the show notes. You can download some free emotional help stuff and get information if you'd like to book me to speak at your next event at TammyWest.com. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and leave a comment and I'll draw a name each month for a $50 Amazon card. And downloading episodes here is really going to help us to grow. So thank you for that. Remembering our emotional and mental well-being goal, I hope you will renew your thoughts daily, adopt empowering language, that prevents verbal harm to yourself and others, and make positive mental and emotional choices on a daily basis. And until next time, 
consider yourself hugged. <laughs>